for music ministry and appreciate them as well. Would you find in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses 21 through 33, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. But we're glad to see you today. We will be having more children in worship than usual this month. They're having the Young Worshippers Club, as we have mentioned. Some of you have known about that, of course, that is coming. We'll still have a children's church and nursery for our preschoolers, but all of our grade school kids uh, will be in here this, uh, uh, all this month. And so look forward to them participating in worship, greeting, prayers, and reading Bible scriptures and those kinds of things as a part of worship. And so I'm going to take the opportunity. I've always wanted to say this. Uh, if you are a student, junior high, high school, adult, college, any of those things, uh, it, you know, I'm not too worried about our children if they've got to go out to the bathroom or get some water. But for the rest of you, maybe before you come in, you want to take care of those things. And they'll probably follow suit in all of that as well. But uh, we're glad to have everybody. Good to see you here uh, today. Ephesians chapter 5, we're finishing off a series of messages in Ephesians. Last week we were in Ephesians chapter 6. We've kind of backtracked just a little bit for Ephesians chapter 5, all for a purpose and the purpose is uh, kind of as an appetizer, I guess, to next weekend. Next weekend we're having here, we've got 60 plus probably already involved and you can sign up, but it's in a marriage enrichment conference. You'll be hearing more about that uh, later in the service, but it'll be uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, and then a guest speaker will be here to talk to all of us on Sunday morning to be a part of that. So the passages that we are reading in Ephesians 5 about husbands and wives some of you are very familiar with this, of course. It's a well-known passage, but hopefully it would be kind of served more maybe as an introduction for us. And obviously in five Sundays, we did not look at every passage of Scripture, everything that could be talked about in Ephesians. I'm, in fact, I'm holding off that Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, talking about uh, parents and children probably till Mother's Day or Father's Day. We'll probably use that perhaps and uh, continue to focus on other things before we get to that. So this is where we are today. So we're in Ephesians chapter 5, going to be reading verses 21 through 33. This now is the word of God, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife also loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. I have found that you can often tell people or maybe things happening in the home by what they put on their refrigerator. Well, I did notice one particular couple that had lots of magnets and I paid attention to them, magnets I had on the refrigerator, such as a messy kitchen is a happy kitchen and this kitchen is delirious. Or no husband has ever been shot while doing the dishes, always good. A husband is someone who takes out the trash and gives the impression he just cleaned the whole house. How about this? And I see if this is one of those that's on the A balanced diet is a cookie in each hand, maybe, but uh, help keep the kitchen clean, eat out. 
Housework done properly can kill you. Was that one of those that were, I didn't put all that they had, but I wrote them all down. In this one, countless number of people have eaten in this kitchen and gone to lead normal lives. Now, I recognize as we look back over these, that this was probably not a husband and wife that put these down. This was probably a wife that actually added these maybe to their refrigerator. Now, uh, we're, church is not the only one who wants help in marriage. If you've ever looked on a website, you've ever bought a magazine, or maybe if you just stood in line and had to wait at the cash register at the supermarket, you have seen titles of magazine articles, how to make your marriage sizzle or seven steps to have a stronger and more romantic marriage, or what every wife should know about her husband, or how to jumpstart the dead battery in your marriage. People everywhere want to have a good marriage. They want to have a good family life. Answers are sought in magazines and books and websites and support groups and counseling and the like. Well, I want you and I to be do a radical thing this morning, that which is rarely done, or at least not done by the majority of people, maybe not even done by the majority of church people, and that is to be able to look this harebrained idea, but it's not my idea, but it is seeking to follow what is spelled out in God's Word. It seemed like we did a uh, men's study one time, and maybe one of the video lessons was what wives wish husbands knew about women. Well, today... We want to look at what God wished we knew about each other, though it may seem that we're from different planets. I got We'll give you this warning. You may be looking for a particular answer, a particular question. We will not answer or cover every, certainly everything on this subject or even all that the Scripture says, but we're going to get a glimpse of it today and maybe even overview of what God's Word says. If it sounds a little foreign to you, well, it might be. It... it I want you to know, though, it's our attempt to stay close to God's Word. You may have a perfect marriage and a perfect home life, but for the rest of us, I figure that we might as well try it God's way. The temptation might be, to, as we talk about these things, that you can think of your spouse or maybe even someone else in your family that you think, boy, I sure hope they're listening to this. Boy, they sure need to hear this. But really what I want us to do is recognize that we need to find application for ourselves. Naturally, my wife will be hoping that I pay close attention to what God's Word says to me. But we want to listen, of course, to what it says for each one of us. Most sections or most studies on marriage and family may begin with verse 22 with husbands and wives with verse 22 but you've noticed we began with verse 21 in fact I'm going to back up just a little bit further than that we're going to look at these some items that you need to have in your home or that you need to pay attention to in, in every home every Christian home particularly now recognize when we talk about married couples or any particular group there are some people who feel this may not apply to you and you may have already checked out but I want to encourage you that regardless of your uh, season in life, regardless of your status, whether you're single or single again, or a student, or maybe you're the churchgoer, but he or she uh, do, do not go to church with you. Well, I want to give you some reasons to listen regardless. Many of the items of these Christian characteristics we talk about today will be appropriate for any family member, maybe even extended family. Also, you can find some ways to make applications in any of your relationships that you have, maybe even a future relationship, but particularly you will find application about your relationship with Jesus. But also, no matter what your season or your status, you want to be a part of a church that champions the biblical Christian standard of marriage. So 
you, you want to be rooting for uh, the rest of us who are talking about marriage or the rest of us if you're not married. You want to be able to know that uh, we're a church that believe one man and one woman for life is God's ideal, not one man and one man, not one woman and one woman. And, and we're going to talk about now and certainly next weekend about God's purpose in marriage. It wasn't too long ago we were in 1 Corinthians 7 and we talked about God's purpose in singleness. And if you're here today or you're listening today and you don't have a genuine personal relationship with Jesus, it is my prayer that because of what God's Word says in our worship here today that you will begin to think, that's what I want. That's what I want to have in my home. That's what I want to have in my family or even in my marriage. And that's the Jesus that I want as my Savior today. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, somebody listening today, somebody here, then I know that the Holy Spirit will be certainly at work today. So today... Uh, in a general sense, this is for everyone. In a particular sense, it is for husbands and wives. And without apology, specifically, it is for husbands. So I invite you to come along and let's discover some everyday items that you may need to pay attention to in your home. And one of those is a favorite cup. You've got a favorite cup, perhaps, maybe a cup that you, uh, that you use, maybe a cup that... Uh, you just, nothing tastes better than drinking it from that particular cup. Maybe it's a coffee cup or a glass or whatever it is. Maybe somebody gave it to you and uh, that made it a favorite cup as well. What do you like in that cup or glass? What's it usually filled with? We started in verse 21 a minute ago. Hope you've got your Bibles open. This may also be on the screen, but verse 18 says this, and do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, so as we talk about that cup, we know what it maybe should not be filled with, wine or alcohol. Now, I could preach a sermon about the abuse of alcohol in the home, and I certainly have on occasion the evils of strong drink. And probably most of us know somewhere to where marriages or homes have been destroyed by alcohol abuse. So the application may fit someone here today, but I've never known a marriage to be strengthened by alcohol. But we, then what does it need to be filled with? Not to uh, fill you with too many statistics, but in 1912, there was one divorce for every 12 marriages. By 1932, that had doubled that there was one divorce for every six marriages. It was around the 1990s or maybe beginning in the 90s that there was one divorce for every two nationwide. And that was not much different between those who were not believers and those who claimed to be believers. But now, it has been a little bit different for those who are members and participating in a church. About 40% probably is the statistic now. But I read this the other day, not too long ago, and not sure where they got their information, but this particular order said that, that the couples who are married in church and in worship and they attend church every Sunday, they read the Bible and pray together regularly, the divorce rate is one out of 1,105. Well, that's a dramatic difference. Maybe the difference is what you, who you fill your cup. Paul said, do not let your cup be filled with wine, but instead let it be filled with the Holy Spirit. Understand this idea about to be filled with the Holy Spirit means to let the Holy Spirit have control. Everyone who's a follower of the Lord Jesus, the moment that you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are anointed or baptized in the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you already. But to be filled, we all need to be filled daily and like Christ have control. Kind of like that first cup of coffee in the morning that you might say, I'm not worth much until I have that first cup of coffee. Well, none of us are worth very much until we have given everything over to the Holy Spirit to take control and say, Lord, I want you to take control today in the Spirit. I can't do it by myself. I need your power. I need your help. 
Holy Spirit take control of my family as well in my, uh, in my home and my marriage. This verse might remind us also, verse 18, about what happened at Peter and the other believers at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon all those who were in the room at Pentecost and they began to speak in tongues such that everyone could understand what they were saying. And all the people looked at them and said, they must be drunk. No, they were not drunk, and Peter explained to them, but something happening, they were different because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit in their life. May other people be able to see the difference that is in you. May people in your home, may your spouse be able to see you are different because of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are instructed in the home to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Now understand, submitting to one another while we're submitting to the Holy Spirit and so there's kind of a triangulation kind of thing happening here to where you're submitting to one another. You will also be submitting to the Lord Jesus as well because it says out of, out of reverence, this mutual voluntary submission gives proof that we truly must rely upon Jesus in the filling of the Holy Spirit. So you've got your notes there and following along. May your cup of your heart be filled and overflowing with the Spirit of Jesus. So today, if you... Get your favorite cup. Some of you may have it right here. Don't spill whatever you've got in your cup today, but take your cup and just remember perhaps that we've talked about that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which means to let Jesus take control. That has little to do with emotion, but everything to do with allowing the Holy Spirit to take charge of our life and take charge of our home and certainly take charge of our marriage as well. So there's another item that you need to have in your home or notice in your home, and that's a music box. A music box. Now, listen, we could relate that also to the iTunes on your phone, some kind of radio or, uh, you know, old phonographs are coming back and vinyl albums are kind of back uh, in, in popular demand, I guess. And so music in the home of some kind. Uh, it, notice verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. If you're being filled with the Spirit, well, naturally there may be filled, you may be filled with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and melodies. Notice all the different kinds of music. I did tell the first service, I said, you all must love hymns, don't you, because you're in the first service. But there's other kinds also, so we tell you, not only there's spiritual songs, there's also hymns as well. Well, Christian joy should be expressed very naturally in songs of praise and we see how this can be applied in the church and in corporate worship, but also how about in the home? What kind, of, what kind of music is coming out of your home? And I don't mean just the kind of music. Or let me ask this. What kind of, do any of these country song titles maybe describe the, your, your home life or your marriage? Uh, stand by your man. How about just an old pair of shoes? How about that ain't no way to go? Or what about me? Forever and ever, amen. Well, how about she thinks my tractor's sexy? Hey, well, okay, I finally hit one that maybe represents your home. Uh, this is not a lesson necessarily on the right kind of music to listen to, but it is about the kind of music the Lord produces in the heart. Most often, music kind of sets the atmosphere, does it not? You get on an elevator, there's elevator music. You go to some restaurants, they're playing different kinds of music, maybe depending on the... Uh, ambiance of the things that they want. Uh, uh, customer service, you call and there's music there. This week I was on customer service and they said, we're going to put you on hold. And then a recording came over. Push one if you like classical music. Push two if you like country. Push three if you... I thought, 
I'm going to be here for a long time. But they put the music on so that no matter how long you have to wait, maybe you won't be so mad. So it kind of helps to set the mood. It's what happens here in worship. We've helped the atmosphere of things happening here in the, because of what takes place in worship, the music that has been set. But also we understand that it is an act of worship. So what kind of atmosphere do you set in your home or in your marriage? And get this, you could choose what kind of atmosphere happens in your home with the Lord's help. We should take note that these are also songs in your heart to the Lord. I've been caught sometimes singing around the house. I've been told sometimes not to sing around the house and try to convince a family singing is a good thing in the house. Look at this verse. That then they protest. If they'd have read it, they said, keep it in your heart, Dad. I said, okay. But, uh, so in your heart also comes with it responsibility. Often in these kinds of messages, again, we tend to think of this would be good for our spouse or for someone else. But no matter how much we might want to, our job is not to expect of our spouse or another family member that which we're not doing. We can only be responsible for ourselves and our decisions and our attitudes. We're to come more like Christ so that we might be able to love that person more in our home. And who knows, they might be brought around to God's way of thinking and God's way of acting. We often want our husband or our wife to fill our every need. But the truth is, they cannot. God wants to use them to fill needs, but only God can meet every need and put a melody in your heart. You are responsible for the atmosphere and the melody in your heart and in your home. We're responsible to God for ourselves. With this help, regardless of our situation, we're able to say, as the psalmist said, uh, you've put a new song in my heart. I will praise the name of Jesus. Here's another item that you might notice around the home, and that's a calculator. Well, you may have it on your phone, but if, it's, if you've got your, you know, you, most of you got your calculator, got your phone with you. And a lot of things perhaps need to be added up in the home. There are things that we have a tendency to add up. How many times I've been wronged, times that we were neglected, dates that were forgotten, times that we were unappreciated or late responses or the wrong gifts purchased. Notice what it says in verse 20. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, giving thanks always and everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever been in one of those discussions with your spouse or maybe another family member? You did this, but I remember when you did that. Yeah, but don't you remember such and such? I remember what you said. Boy, we need a calculator sometimes just to keep up. But as Paul, do as Paul did, use your calculator to add up those things that you are thankful for. It would do well for if you keep a journal in the morning or night or any time that you sit down and write those things down or in your heart as it says here. But, uh, you know, the things that you're, what's, what the blessings of the Lord, blessings about your family. And uh, those blessings will change an attitude. But let's admit, it's relatively easy when we think about it to thank the Lord for the good things. But did you notice in verse 20 it says to be thankful in all things. I want to I challenge you maybe to, to do something. And that would be to make a list of the top 10 problems in your home or with your spouse. You can make a list. I'm giving you permission to do that. Write down names. It's okay. Don't show it to them. That would not be the good thing to do. But make that list and then begin to pray about those things and thank the Lord even for those things. Would it be how the Lord is bigger than any of your problems? Would it be how the Lord's going to work, help you work through those problems? Would it be how the Lord's going to use those to help to shape you? For 30 days, pray and thank the Lord for problems. 
And then at the end of those 30 days, and see if you don't have a change of attitude, if not a change in the situation and those things uh, that are happening and how you view those. Then make you another list. Make you a list of one of those good or the great things about your spouse, about your home and your family. I believe you will need a calculator perhaps to keep up with them all. We also need to learn at times, speaking of a calculator, to push that uh, clear button or that delete button of the things that we may have added up in our heart of something that somebody did wrong or that your spouse may have done wrong. And then, you know, you could, forgiveness, we also, sometimes you say about forgetting, but if you could forget, you probably wouldn't need to forgive, but sometimes you still remember those things. But here's what happens when you forgive, and maybe even with a calculator you might remember. You may remember that you chose to forgive that very thing. And so you can act as if you forgive it, even act as if you have forgotten. Uh, there's a re another reason for a Christian marriage needs a calculator, but not a regular one. It has to be a biblical calculator that teaches that one and one in Christ equals one. You know, as we read this in Ephesians 5 and other parts of the Bible, we find that much of that it says about the marriage is that husbands and wife are to be of one flesh. Another item that you have around your home that you may want to pay attention to or be sure to get, and that's work gloves. Get some work gloves or helping hands. Someone once said, getting married is easy, staying married is difficult, staying happily married for a lifetime would be considered among the fine arts. Now, if men were to choose items, you understand of what would represent the, the home, probably it'd be uh, uh, maybe an apron and a remote control, but... Ephesians 5.21 calls for mutual submission, each helping and serving the other. And there are two kinds of submission. There is that of an inferior to a superior, and there's that of an equal to an equal that is voluntary. This certainly would be considered that of an equal understanding coming from the Bible because we find many times that the Scripture tells us that when we stand before the cross, there is neither... Jew nor Gentile, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither men nor women. We're, we're all equal. So this submission is voluntary, but it is God's plan. Submission means to arrange under or yielding his or her own rights for the benefit of the other. Yes, with submission of the wife is emphasized, but no less is asked of the husband and then much further as we have read. But Paul did not write these words. Husbands, be sure that your wives are submissive. Perhaps you've heard that, you know, this submissive type thing only works if both partners are doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's lots of flaws in that. And one of the flaws is we're never going to be perfect even if we're seeking to do all that we're supposed to do. Plus, nowhere in the Bible do we read that we're only supposed to do what God asks if the other person's doing it right. Would you read again verse 20 and 21? And notice what the words Christ and Lord there, verse 20, uh, excuse me, 21 and 22. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Both times the reason for submission is out of respect for God or because it's the way each spouse and particularly the wife honors and serves God. Wives, everything that you do as it is for the husbands, as it is for all people, that we should do be done as into the Lord. In fact, Paul tells the church of Corinth, we're talking about Ephesus. Paul also writes, tells the church of Corinth to do things God's way, particularly in marriage. In, verse, in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 16, 
He said, doing things God's way, how do you know that you are not saving your wife, men? And women, how do you know that you are not saving your husband? Uh, of course, we are not doing the saving, but leading them to Christ is what it's talking about. Do you remember the passage where Jesus was talking? And he said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Uh, when I was sick and in prison, you came and visited me. Then he said, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Well, wives, sometimes when you do it unto your husband, you may be doing it unto one of the least of these. And when you serve your husband, according to this passage, you've done it unto Jesus. So I can show you today to where when Jesus was here on earth in the flesh, he said the Father was over the Son of Man, meaning himself. You'd say, oh, I'm okay with that. I can also show you, we read it here today, where Jesus is the head of the church, and you're okay with that. But we read where it says that the husband is the head of the wife, and many say, now wait a minute. But headship is more, biblical headship is more about companionship than it is kingship. What do you mean by that? A man might say, well, I'm the boss. It's your responsibility to do what I say. I'm not responsible to anyone. And he quotes, the husband is the head of the wife. Oh, but he leaves out that Christ is the head of all redeemed people. Now, the noun form of husband means manager, a steward, or a caretaker. Husbanding is responsibility. Why is the husband to take on this role? Is it because he is superior? Is it because he is smarter? Is it because he is better? Well, my goodness, we probably all know that that's not true. But you know, the, the scripture says many times that God has chosen the foolish things in order to be able to confound the wise. This may be one of those cases. Simply stated, it's God's design for order in the home. But, but that's also where it ends. Who is the Savior, according to verse 23 that we read a moment ago? You can look, but you don't even have to look down probably because you know that Jesus Christ is the Savior, Christ alone. Three times in this passage that women are told to either be subject or to be submissive. Verse 24 says that they're to be subject to their husband in everything. Well, I like to explain that, but I don't want to explain it away. It does not necessarily mean to obey. If you look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents. Well, that word's not being used here. In everything means in everything in which that authority extends to, those things consistent with the kingdom of God. No submission under any authority supersedes the authority of God. We serve one another. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? The one who is the servant, the one who serves is the one who is greatest in his kingdom. And we understand that husbands are to do the same. Peter in his letter, he writes, and he seems he's particularly writing to wives who have unbelieving husbands. It's the first century. Many of them probably became believers after they were married and he said, he said if, first, if, by all means, if you can stay married, stay married. And he says, serve them. Be subject to them so that by your service they may be brought into the fellowship. What's the first crisis in the Bible? Some people would point to Genesis chapter 3 and Adam and Eve when they first sinned. But the first crisis in the Bible comes when Adam was in the garden and he was alone. And it's not good for him to be alone. He, he needed a helping hand. And the first woman was not created from the head of man that she might rule over him, not from his feet that she might be trod upon, but from his side that she may go along with and from beneath his arm that she might be protected in love. Most biblical term perhaps for a wife, it's not exclusive, but it, it is helpmate. Wives, use your hands to minister and lift up to your husband 
and to your family. Use your hands to minister and your, to lift up your husband and your family, lifting them to be all that they can be. Well, you may say, I have, I have a really imperfect family. You don't know my husband. Well, according to the Bible, that's even more reason to serve your family in this way. Twice recently, I was called into a ladies' Bible study in order to answer questions, both about subjects that were in this letter. One of those times just recently was to come into a ladies' Bible study to ask me about predestination versus free will. And uh, mentioned we talk, read, talked about that in Ephesians chapter 1. Apparently, Patricia or Beth or Ann had said something in their workbook that maybe they disagreed with or maybe they didn't quite understand, so they asked me to give some biblical clarification and understanding for which I did my limited best on that. But before that, I was also called into another ladies' Bible study, about 35 or 40 ladies, and I don't think they asked me why they were asking me to come in. We got some questions. Brother Jeff, would you come in? So I walked into this ladies' Bible study with 35 or 40 ladies, and they said to me, Brother Jeff, we'd like to know why wives need to submit to their husbands. I got to tell you, I felt very alone. I would... <laughs> I would rather talk about predestination. <laughs> Maybe this is a good time for me to say a word of appreciation to the wives and the ladies in our church who are submissive to the Lord Jesus and submissive and they are serving and they are doing great things in their home and continue to serve the Lord Jesus. I think of my own wife at the top of that list. I think of my mom, who was a great example. I don't have any sisters, but I got sisters-in-law. I now have two grown daughters. I have you, my church family, the ladies in this church. Can I tell you, we would not be who we are today, heading in the direction that we're going, would it not be for the ladies who are serving in this church and being submissive to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible does tell us, and I certainly believe it, that... Uh, Spiritual leadership in the home and in the church should come from the men. But you've had to step up times, times in your home and sometimes in the church so that we might be able to follow your example and that we might be able to be all that we can be, both in our homes and both in the church. Can I tell you that I love, we love and appreciate you and we appreciate your role because know it or not, your role in the home, your role in the church is a place of honor according to the Lord. I've got... One more item that you need in your home is need to pay attention to in the home, and that's the flashlight. Everybody needs a flashlight, of course. Except for the summary found at the very last verse, verse 33, the text leaves the wife's role in verse 24 and focuses on the husband and who is admonished to love his wife like Christ loved the church. And the example is, of course, Christ. It's the ultimate godly, agape, unconditional love for which Christ gave his life. It goes on to say that Christ gave his life. It was to purify, sanctify, and cleanse so that the New Testament church might be presented holy and blameless. Men, we cannot present our wives as holy and blameless like Christ can, but we are to follow his example in how we point them and all family members to Jesus. Now, the church is often represented in Scripture as the bride, uh, the church is the bride, and Christ is the bridegroom. And his death and on the cross allowed our sins to be washed away so that the church might be presented as the perfect bride. And though the responsibility for the husband is great, what Christ did for the church, we cannot do for our wives. Only Christ can meet every need. But the unity of husband and wife is so complete in Christ that the Bible says no longer two exist, but it is one flesh. There to be love in one 
uh, one in love and one in faithfulness, one in purpose, just as we are one in Christ. This does not happen automatically at the wedding ceremony. It is that which we must continue to grow into husbands and wives as well. Indeed, a man who loves his wife loves himself, for he, he is the extension of his own self. We show concern for our bodies by feeding it, clothing it, all of these things taken care of, even more so if we have someone else who is a part of it. How do we do that? We're continuing to find out. Scripture tells us, not just in these verses, but we get some, we get some hints here of how to love our wives. We're to do it sacrificially. Jesus gave his life. We're willing to give not only our lives, but our time, all that we have and all that we want to give over to, over to our wives and to our families and to our home. Certainly, as we do that, we recognize that our greatest submission is to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are to immerse our wives as well as our families in the Word. Jesus talked about cleansing the church with the Word, and that means with certainly the good news of the gospel, but all of God's Word by teaching, by being an example of the Word. We're continuing to learn that as we go and as we grow, certainly, in Christ. And the... This does not mean, all that we have said, husbands, it does not mean why. It doesn't mean that he makes all the decisions. Oh, spiritual leadership comes and, first of all, considers Christ. What is right by what Jesus would have us to do. What is right by the wife. And even then, he may not still make the decision on his own. But he is the one who comes and says, Dear family, Let's talk about how, what we need to do. Let's pray about what it is that we need to do in this situation. Let's think about and let's make this decision together. The head, the one who is, uh, the one who is taking the spiritual leadership decides and says, let's come together. Let's call the meeting. Let's decide together. Paul quotes Genesis 2 and verse 31 to where he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Do you think God knew what he was talking about in Genesis? And he continues to tell us, and that verse is quoted throughout Scripture. But can I tell you, the number one solution to any problem that you have in your marriage or in your home is a growing relationship with Jesus. And I use a flashlight as a symbol because it is the light that points to something else. A husband's love, and not to himself, but to the light of the world who is Jesus. And though it is not exclusive to the husband, it is to lead the way for the family to find their way to Christ and to grow in Him. Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I used, to, uh, I used to help put together children's camps. And sometimes we would have, sometime toward the end of the week, we'd have the midnight walk in the woods. We'd talk about it and they would talk about it. The get, kids get anxious about it and we would... Uh, but before we went, we would always uh, take up everybody's flashlight. There'd be planned things, people jumping out and different things that would happen along the way. And the only one who had the light was the one who was in the lead. I'm glad to announce that we never lost a kid and all of that. But we come back, of course, and they talk about it a lot, but we talk about how you need to trust Christ and how you need to uh, trust the one who is holding the light. If you're a Christian husband today, for, for some mysterious reason, God wants to give you the light. You, not, not your, nor your family, may know what is around the next turn and sometimes things can get pretty anxious and pretty scary. But God has entrusted you or wants to entrust you. Your wife and family need to be able to trust that you will shine your light toward Christ so that they will know the path to follow.
number one purpose in marriage. It is not mutual fulfillment. The number one purpose of marriage is to bring glory to Jesus, the Almighty God and Savior. Very last verse that we read, last verse in chapter 5. Mine begins with however. Some of your translations may say in summary, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Do you know what those, not just biblical, but those even outside the Bible or Christianity say, the number one need for ladies, for wives, is that they know that they're loved by their husbands. Number one need for men is to know that they're respected. Do you think the Lord knows what he's talking about? Typically, we know that things are different in this world. Biblically, we can know that we can try things God's way. Do you need to try things God's way today? Maybe in your home, maybe with your marriage, maybe with your family, maybe at school, maybe in the community, maybe something else. Try things God's way. Because I, I believe that's a, a big lesson that we have here for us, regardless of your season or regardless of your status of life. Try things God's way. If you don't know Jesus, we talked about it earlier. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I encourage you today. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And I encourage you not just to try, but to give your whole self to his way. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you knowing that uh, you are present in this place. We thank you, Father, for how your word speaks to us. We thank you for the plan that you have for each one of us individually. We thank you for the grand plan of the gospel. And we know that you have a plan for our home and our families and ways that are not just cultural, but ways that are proven, universal understanding of ways that we know that you know best. We pray now, Father, that you may even lay upon our hearts commitments that we need to make, changes that need to take place, or to keep on keeping on and to be encouraged as we seek to follow you. We pray today, if there's one that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation because they've heard your word. And we thank you, Father, for this church. We thank you, Father, how you continue to be at work. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers.